This is CSW's Free to Believe podcast. Christian Solidarity Worldwide stands with those facing injustice because of their religion or belief and advocates to defend, protect, restore religious freedom worldwide. As the world tackles ever-worsening inequalities and rights violations, CSW's advocacy for the right to religious freedom is needed now more than ever. I'm Darren Adwell-Palker, a pastor and president of CSW USA, and with me today is Scott Bauer. Scott is the CEO of CSW Internationally. He's married to Misty. They have two kids and one grandchild. He runs stupidly long distances badly. He's passionate about prayer and justice and seeing where those two collide. So Scott, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Darren. So good to be with you. Yeah, I also run badly. I just don't run long distances. Well, hey, man, welcome. Um, Scott, tell us just a little bit about yourself. How did you first intersect with the work of CSW? Yeah, thanks, Darren. Um, I, I started working for CSW about seven years ago, but I've been a fan of their their work for many years before that. Um, I've worked in this kind of sector for for a long time, and I'm just I fundamentally I'm passionate about justice and seeing God's justice and how it works on on Earth. Um, it, I remember sitting in a um, a shipping container back in i guess it'd be 20 20 odd years ago in mass in a little country called macedonia in in eastern europe and sitting down with three generations of a family who this was their home half a shipping container for three generations and in that moment i i just i was broken because of the injustice that they were experiencing and the disparity that I was seeing between my life and theirs and just the knowledge that God was with them in their situation as much as, much as he was with mine. But I was, ju- I was just wrecked with the, the injustice of that. And so I've kind of spent my, my life since then, if not before then on working for causes that, seek to bring about justice and freedom um on earth and csw do that amazingly well and we always have done really so it's like i said i i joined about seven or eight years ago and at the time um you know there, there aren't many organizations that i would that were on my list of, of of wanting to work for and csw was very near the top of that at the time it was it's like it's pretty mid 2010 so like 2015 2016 when the global refugee crisis was was really first hitting our headlines mm-hmm. you know we had the um mass migration out of the middle east as well as east africa and south asia and, you know we're seeing the the movement of people like we'd, we'd never seen on earth before and the the tremendous um heartbreak that came with that that i think the the world and the church was experiencing at the time um as well as the rise of islamic state in various parts of you know middle east and 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 now in africa as well but um poking at that and understanding that the one of the under real underlying issues that that is causing that kind of mass migration is the 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 lack of the human right to to believe that Mm. freedom of religion or belief affects um 
all, all those kind of issues that were in our, our headlines daily. It's interesting that you'd mentioned that, Scott, because, you know, for me, kind of looking at these things on the news, it just seems that either the narrative or maybe I'm just my own understanding when I think of that migration, a lot of that in my mind is driven by economics. So what I'm hearing you say is there is this underlying freedom of religious belief issue going on. Can you, can you speak to that and help us understand that better? Yeah, I mean, certainly inequality and disparity has a, plays a, a major part in that. Um, but but at the heart of it, really, you've got people that are searching for for safety, searching for for home. People that are being forced out um, of their of their their homes, their villages, their their countries. You know, and our uh, our country has a bit of that in our own history, right? Uh, without, yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's not something that should be strange or foreign to us. People leaving in search of. Uh, religious liberty as well as economic advancement. But what you're helping me to see is how the two of those often go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your, your founding fathers, right? Didn't they come to your country to escape the persecution they were experiencing? Yeah, I can't forget. I don't, I don't remember from where, but um, somewhere <laughs> it'll ring a bell eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not talk about the history. <laughs> we into it. That's um, water, that's water I'm... under the bridge or between the ocean or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just remember every Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I remember Darren sitting with um, with families in northern Iraq just after the fall of Mosul, so a few years back, probably twenty eighteen, something like that. And um, just so we, we were outside Mosul in this region called the Nineveh Plain, which is like the heartland of traditional. Uh, you like you read the, the Old Testament, like these, these are, are names on their signposts. Like this is where where the stories were written. Wow. And sitting with these families who were from generally from middle class backgrounds, you know, these are our shopkeepers, doctors, nurses, teachers, and talking to them about their desire or lack of to go home to, to the houses which had been destroyed by by ISIS in cities like towns like Karakwash and Martella. Um, and I don't recall meeting anybody who wanted to return. In fact, I remember sitting with a couple where he we, we asked him what what would it take for you to go home, and he he came out with some reasons, and she was looking at him like, "Heck, we're not going home. That 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 we're we're not going to do that. This is not safe. This place is no longer safe. We need to move. We need to be somewhere that is safe with our, our children." So our our job there really was to go and find out what was happening, and to help advise our governments on what could be done to make it uh, make it safe for people to return. But in reality. The people that I met, every one of them wanted to leave. And they wanted to leave not because they didn't love their countries, because it wasn't safe for them. It wasn't about economics, although these are people that have got a lot to give to their, the economies that they're going to. Um, it was it's about, you know, we've been this is it, we've been living with globalization for decades, right? These are people that I was sitting with who had friends and relatives in Australia, Germany, the UK, America. Now, why wouldn't you, if everything had been taken from you, want to go and live somewhere safe mm. where you have friends and family? No, absolutely. That that makes sense. And so CSW jumps into those situations, raises awareness. How would you describe the mission of CSW then? Now, our our vision is one that is unachievable, which uh, which I quite like. You know, we we exist to um, 
to see a world free of religious persecution. Mm. Now that that's our that that's why we're here. Now that when you get down into the reality of that and you understand that you know we will always be persecuted for his namesake, right? But that doesn't mean to say we have to accept it. Like we, I was talking with uh, Bishop Angelos, who's the Archbishop of uh, of London of, uh, and for the Orthodox Church, and he was saying that like, I accept it for myself, but I don't accept it for others. Oh, that's uh, which I thought was particularly powerful. It's like he's, you know, they will. He's from Egypt, and like, we will accept that we will be persecuted in Egypt, but I won't accept it for anybody else. Mm. So for for us, you know, we um, we expect it, but we don't accept it. I think it's a line that we would we would use. Um, we're here to um, to stand up for all those who experience religious persecution, uh, all those who experience injustice because of what they believe, uh, and that's and regardless of of that belief, regardless of whether they're Christian or not. We we are fundamentally a Christian organisation, but we speak up for all faiths. And how do you do that practically? What does that look like lived out? Yeah, so. Um, how do we do that practically? We've got um, a team of advocates that work on different regions around the world. We've got, um, uh, it's, uh, we work on 30 countries. Uh, a lot of our advocates carry more than one country. They're, they're incredibly hardworking. Uh, it's working with people in countries to find out exactly what is happening, uh, verifying um, human rights violations. Um, we take the research and analysis that we've done around the world to places of decision making and power like Washington, D.C., where we've got an office like London, um, Brussels. And we have, a, we have a few other offices around the world. So we take that and we present that. We work with parliamentarians and decision makers to to influence policy. Um, that's core of, of what we do. But then we also do things like uh, training human rights defenders and journalists and, and and community leaders, often pastors and and priests in country as to uh, how they should respond to persecution and what their rights are. Um, we've also we also do stuff like. Um, psychosocial support and trauma counseling for those that have experienced that kind of injustice um, and really help them re-engage in society so it's, it's it's varied but it's all principally it's advocacy but we mm. also build some stuff around that as well in my last podcast my first you know the first in this series of introducing our audience to the work of csw i interviewed murph thomas he's the founder president of csw and for over 40 years They've been doing this work, and now the baton has been passed. You are now the CEO. You you um you have the the leadership and direction. And so, I'd like to ask you, where do you see CSW headed in the future? Great question. We you know we um we are continuing. Like it, this isn't a, a we. St- we take, suddenly take a right hand turn because Scott's in control. Kind of, we 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 know what we're doing, Darren. We we know that we are doing what God has called us to do. So there's no need for me to take a like. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pivot. We're gonna move and do something totally different. What we're gonna do is keep doing what we're doing. Uh, the last five years, we've seen our reputation, our credibility increase massively all around the world, and we're gonna build on that. Um, personally, what I would love to see, I guess, would be two things. Firstly, is that the growth of a movement that are engaged in in freedom and justice that speak up for those who who uh who can't speak for themselves um and secondly i want to see a network of csw affiliates around the world who um who are able to to lead the organization to to bring some authenticity to bring an increased level of authenticity to, to the leadership of the movement 
what do you see, Scott, is the role of the church in all of this? Because I think it could be easy for us, especially in countries where freedom of religion, religious belief is sort of taken for granted. Although, again, I would just remind us here in the U.S., this was, this was a major part of why the U.S. began as an idea in the first place, right? A place where there could be uh, freedom of religion, belief, and um, without interference. Now, people would argue to what degree we've, we've achieved that and where we are in that, and that's an ongoing debate, and that's important to have. But I think as a foundation, it feels to me, as somebody who's grown up with this, it's hard sometimes to catch to capture the urgency of it. Like my, my father is from India. He grew up as a Hindu there. Um, and, you know, our connection to the Christian church in India is, is that we're getting these stories out of there, that it is absolutely, um, you know, very dangerous for people to to profess to live out their Christian faith in the midst of the the political uh, and social context of what's happening in India, and so, so you know, as a as a missions pastor, um, I'm in Latin America and India and Africa and Asia, and so just seeing that firsthand, that has alerted me to the reality of these challenges. But I just imagine for so many listening, it's so easy to become complacent. And I think for the church to begin to focus on other issues, because that for so many of us in the, in the West is just kind of established and it's, and it's, and it's there. So what do you see as the role of the church and how does the church wake up to this reality when most people are living their daily life, right? They're getting up, they're getting their coffee, they're going to work, they're getting their kids to school, they come home, they're trying to pay the bills, maybe watch a little bit of Netflix at night and go to bed. Like that's, that's it, right? So how does the church wake up and how does the church get involved? This one church, right? We're, we're agreed on that uh, there's there's one church under under christ yeah um part of the same body where when one part hurts the the whole body suffers you know we, we both talked you just talked about running and running badly and running badly means you get injured quite a lot <laughs> and i was training for a, a long run last year um and i was injured and uh i didn't listen to my body i and uh, I was medically withdrawn at about mile 54 because my leg wasn't right. My leg was hurting and I was ignoring it. Wait, um, did you say mile 54? Th- yeah. <laughs> I had to drop that in. Come on, um, man. Yeah, it was a- Mar- marathon's only supposed to be 26.2. Yeah, this was a, a double marathon and then Jeepers. another 30 miles on top. Well, yeah. that's the problem right there. I mean, take a car for the rest <laughs> of the way. Come on. <laughs> but I didn't listen to my body. And I think... What we've got at the moment is a situation where the church are saying everything is fine. Mm. We are okay. Peace, peace, where there is no peace. Uh, And what you realize, what you don't realize is that the church is bleeding. The church is hemorrhaging. Mm. It's it's like me with my leg. Uh, My leg was screaming in agony and I was ignoring the hell out of it. And if you look around the world, uh, the the church is is bleeding. Well, well, that I think is predicated on the understanding, like you just said, that we are one church. If we really believe that message from Ephesians 4, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one father of all, that we are one, yeah, you know, and like it, I, as part of our pledge of allegiance, right? For liberty and justice for all. 
So if we right. if 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 it if there's one that is not experiencing liberty and justice, then it's our collective responsibility to do something about that. Absolutely, and let's take it one step further, and we recognize that we are all created in the image of God. You know, let's get take it right back to Genesis one. We're all created in the image of God. That's that's where we take it next. So we we say, okay, the, the church is is hemorrhaging. Let's let's be there for them. And then let's recognize that we are all created in the image of God. We've all been given the, the, the freedom to choose. But it's a, it's a gift of God to choose to believe or not believe, right? It doesn't force us to believe, but we are all made in the image of God. I mean, you look at verses like Proverbs 31 and 8, mm. 8 and 9. Speak up for all those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak up for the, the, the rights of all who are destitute. Uh, speak up, judge fairly defend the rights of the poor and needy and then you look at the good samaritan story and we're we're called to speak up for for all people not just those who believe the same as us so you mentioned proverbs 31 i love that passage um fortunately or unfortunately it's typically mentioned like you know on mother's day as the later on as the proverbs 31 (laughs) woman right but but this verse is in there that talks about um you know, it's instructions to 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 King Lemuel and, and how to live a, a righteous life. And these instructions are to use your power, to use your position, to use your platform, your voice on behalf of those. And this is something that undergirds the entire scripture, right? Is that God has granted his authority, his power to people in order to create a, a, a just and a beautiful society. Now, if we use that power for our own purpose to ingrandize ourselves, that's that becomes problematic. But to use our voice, to use our platform. So I guess my question then is, how do we get involved? Like practically, what can we do? Those that are listening that that want to say, okay, I'm 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 understanding. First, I guess I just want to learn more about it. I mean, that's that's always super important. But but then how do I take that information and move into tangible action so that this can be a way of life for me that i can orient my life around actually doing something here good good questions um and an easy one i think you know the 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 idea of creating a movement which is what we're really trying to do here with with the the recent and advocacy at the center of all of that is that we're inviting people in to join us on that that journey to to invite people in to use their uh to use their voice you, you you've just said it you know we we all have a voice if you're if you're listening to this from a western society you wouldn't believe how much power you hold like you you wouldn't believe how much power you you hold if you're living in a democratic nation you've got access to to government you you've got somebody who's employed on your behalf to to carry out your instruction right you know that okay that they're, they're also employed but by the other fifty thousand people in your town but they they are there to listen to you so to what can you do first of all uh i would say pray um doesn't matter which country I go to, the the beauty of prayer and the need for prayer is is first and foremost. You know, it's just the 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 joy to be able to pray for my brothers and sisters in Nigeria or Indonesia or wherever it might be. Pray, just pray, pray, pray. Um, secondly, use that voice that we've talked about to campaign, to protest, to say it's not right. This is not right. It is not fair. Let's make a difference, mm. and we can. And we've seen it. We've seen making a difference all over the world. Um, 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we're not very good at asking. I'm, I'm British, Darren. I don't know if you picked that up. But I, <laughs> I'm English, which means that I'm, I'm really bad at asking for money. But we're a charity um, and we, we need finances. We, we can't run without uh, w- w- without some some kind of income. So and honestly, the difference between a, a movement and an institution or a movement and an organization is that we all we all carry some kind of responsibility for that. Well, we and join with it. We contribute to it. And if I could speak to that, I mean, you guys have employed, you You talked about, you know, government being employed on our behalf to speak up for us. But CSW has professional journalists, advocates, people on the ground in countries working. So, I mean, in many ways, it's like missions, right, that we can't all we, we're all called to be a part of it, but we can't all go to Angola, right, or wherever. But there are people there. And so part of our participation is to help support the people that are spearheading the work that that we're also a part of. And so I just want to speak to that, that CSW is an organization that has a broad uh, range of of experts and people that are working you know, full time on these issues. And so supporting CSW actually goes to further that cause as well. Amen. Definitely. You know, and for people you, listening, American, you're much better asking money than I am. <laughs> well, uh, CSWUSA.org is our website. <laughs> and, and on there, there is a get involved button. And when you click that, there's just, just a load of practical ways that you can get involved. And Scott, you mentioned prayer, and prayer is not just an afterthought, um, but there's actually a daily prayer calendar. Um, day by day, uh, ways in which you can just pray for needs. And and they're just um, little vignettes of what's happening in Egypt or in Myanmar um, or in Tigray. And just how the awareness of that entering into that in prayer to the God of the universe, who actually is there in those places with those people, can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. That's great, Scott. So as we, you know, kind of move here towards uh, towards prayer, um, I'm curious. You mentioned Proverbs 31. What other sort of scripture guides your passion, your advocacy, and the work yet that you do? I like to ask that question. Sort of, what is your your theological motivation for doing what you do? Um. So we've got Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 written up on one side of our office in kind of five foot letters. And then on the, the other side, we've got Micah 6, 8. Um, uh, what does the Lord require of you to, to act justly? Um, I, I'm going to mess that up. I need to write, <laughs> look do, do justly, love mercy and walk humbly. Yes. It's, it's, isn't it funny how you, it just disappears from you? <laughs> you need to quote it. <laughs> I will say to those listening, you you nailed it when we were con- conversing off off uh, off microphone. So 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 the mental block the mental block is real. Um, but then also, you know, for me and the, the journey that CSW have been on for for the last few years is understanding that place of speaking up for the other. I think that's been really key for us. So the Good Samaritan story is something that I've just sat with for, uh, yeah, I sat with it for like eighteen months. Just like it was almost like that. This is God was like, don't move on from here. Like Jesus, like can we just get back to that again can we can we read this story again can you read it again because i don't think you've got it yet i don't think you properly understand the implications of of neighborhood now jesus redefines the neighborhood in that in that Mm -hmm. passage doesn't he who's my neighbor like you 
you got the smart smart question from the from the lawyer who's my neighbor and this is like yeah you got it right no uh, it's yeah that you know the, love the lord your god with, uh, with all your heart with your soul with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself yes you've summed it up really well who then is my neighbor comes back the smart answer who's then my neighbor and jesus tells this beautiful story of the good well we call him good of the samaritan uh, the person who who is very different, the person that some would say would be, should be the the enemy. Yeah, of, the unlikely hero of the story. Yeah, absolutely unlikely hero, and it's all about crossing the road and and being with the one who is not like you, and that I think has 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 changed my outlook on our work more than any other scripture, and it's certainly something that we we return to again and again. There's a need to speak up for our neighbour, and the the daily question needs to be, God, would you show me my neighbour today? Who's my neighbour? It's we're we're called to go to to Jerusalem, to Judea, and then to to all of the world, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then all of the world, right? So go to Jerusalem, go to those that are your actual next door neighbors, your friends, your relatives, those that are like you and think like you. Go to Judea, you know, those are your cousins, right? Those are, you know, you share the same language, you've got culture in common. Go to Samaria, those who really, really aren't like you. Those people that you would cross the road to avoid, go there. Like, like that's where you're supposed to go. And by the way, if there's anywhere left that's not covered by Samaria or Jerusalem, Judea, go there as well. Go mm. to the ends of the world. That's that's where we're going. You know, I was uh, our family took a road trip this summer, uh, pretty much cross country. We were visiting family, and on the way back, we stopped in Atlanta at Dr. Martin Luther King's church, and there's a museum there. And and one of the things that impacted me is was uh, a quote where he was talking about. The, the Good Samaritan and taking it even one step further because he said that's that's important work to help the person in need, you know, that falls and that, that, that falls into the hands of bandits. He said, but taking it one step further, we have to ask the question, what can we do to make the roads safer? What can we yeah. do to change um, the, the bigger picture structure and, you know, CSW standing for a world in which there is no religious persecution, where there is no dangerous road for a person to walk down because they are of whatever faith to say that that is, you know, there, there is the meet the person in the need at that moment. Absolutely. That's crucial. And to take it even one level higher the work of CSW I see is trying to make the road safer to walk down in the first place. Yeah. I've, I've heard it described down as um, from a charity colleague, a different charity, that, that the work of advocacy, the work of CSW. So for, for years, I was standing uh, on the banks of the river, hoiking people out, taking people from the river, stop, stopping them from, from drowning. The work of advocacy is saying, well, hold on, why are people falling in the river in the first place? And kind of going upstream a <laughs> yeah. little bit and trying to yeah. walk What's happening here? Sure. And how do we stop that from happening? So, yes. Yeah. That's good. Top down, um, more structural. The bottom up is the individual. Both are crucial, and there has to be work on both ends of that. Uh, but I think sometimes, but I think sometimes in the church and in the West in particular, we can focus so much on the individual that we lose sight of the structural and and the bigger picture of what's happening in countries and governments. And again, that's where I just want to. Um, you know, make this this plug or pitch. And that's the reason why I'm involved in CSW, because I think you have a unique voice to governments, to organizations on this larger scale than what most individuals and certainly what more than what I have alone. But yet when our voices unite together collectively, we're able to to um, make a louder 
protest, if you will, to allow our voices to be heard for the cause of justice. And and that's not something that is just going to be granted. Um, it, it must be engaged and there there must be there's an intensity and there's an urgency to it that that we all have to work in this together yeah absolutely absolutely and you're right you know we we will often explain how that our work can be defined in two ways and that's the individuals that that desperately need our help like the, the likes of pastor lorenzo in cuba but we also then need to make sure that there are that there's people coming behind like Pastor Lorenzo don't experience the same injustice that he's experienced. And we work for, for long-term change in countries. The, you know, Darren, the, the biggest compliment I've ever heard paid to CSW was from a, a Sudanese pastor who'd been put on death row. And um, through some of our work and, and works of, of others, we we were with him and his family. We, we He was released. He was, he was set free. And we, we, we went and uh, spent some time interviewing him afterwards. And he said, well, the question was, who is CSW to you? And he stopped and thought about it. And he's like, CSW to me are like my brother. They're like my my big brother. And that I mm. love. I love being, we, we'll play the role of big brother. Sure. You know, if, if my little kid brother was getting beaten up yep. in the playground, I'm stepping yep. in, right? Yep. And, and that's what we do. Sure. That's great, man. Scott, would you close us out by leading us in a prayer for those facing injustice because of their religion or belief that we would specifically pray for people around the world right now in this moment that are incarcerated or that are hiding or are refugees as a result of their religion or belief? If that could be part one and part two could be, God, would you grant us your compassion your passion uh, for them in, in such a way that we could take action, could take a step, simply going to the website, seeing how to pray, seeing how to get involved, how to advocate. That, to me, would be the dream of, of if this podcast could cause someone to take a simple step of learning, praying, engaging, and, and, and having... Um, sort of a shared sense of compassion for those who right now are experiencing that injustice. Yeah, I will. Pleasure. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. We love your church. And we just right now, Lord, we call to mind those that are suffering all over the world for their faith, for their religion, for their belief or lack of. We we think of countries like Myanmar, Lord, we, we think of countries with our dear friends in, in Nigeria, in Mexico, in Cuba, in Syria, Iraq. There are so many, Lord. We, we, we choose to remember. We choose to remember. We choose to bring to mind those faces that that. I know well, and I, I hope others will come to know. We choose to remember names, Lord, we, and we bring them to you, knowing that you are there with them. So, Father, we, we ask you humbly for justice. Lord, would we see justice in, in those countries we've mentioned? And would you bring freedom? Lord God, we, we long to see your name lifted high. We long to see 
your kingdom come. So we pray freedom in each of those countries. We pray freedom for those individuals that are thinking about now. We pray especially at the moment for uh, for Pastor Lorenzo in Cuba. We pray freedom, Lord. Would he be set free? We pray for, for Leah, who's been held for uh, four years in Nigeria. We pray for that that girl who's become a woman in captivity. Lord, we pray for freedom. For so many others, Lord, would you continually provoke us? Lord, would you call to mind? Would you would you nudge us? We give you permission right now, Lord, to, to nudge us. Mm-hmm. So just poke us and say, just bring countries to mind. I pray for, for those listening to this podcast, for my friends listening to this podcast, that, that even as they watch the news tonight, that if a, a country comes up, they would pause and remember. And we just say, uh, we thank you that you speak to us. Lord. So we just pray that you would, you would prompt us, you would call us to remember. We thank you for the work of CSW and and all those charities that, that work alongside us. We we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you lead us. Lord, we, we join with your mission. You don't join with ours and help us to always keep that in mind. Lord, that we follow after you. That we follow your leading. Our job is to watch what you're doing and follow you. Our job is to to pick up the banner and to, uh, and to come charging after you. But you're there first. Like in each of those prisons we've talked about, you are, you're there already. So we, we want to be following hard after you. And I pray for uh, my friends listening to this, Lord, that they would be stirred. Lord, would you? The dangerous prayer, Lord, that, that um, it's just that you would break our hearts with those things that are breaking yours. Would we be those that would listen to your heart and understand um, how you feel about some of these places, about these people, the the amount that you love them? And would that captivate us? Would we be captivated not by them, but by you, Lord, and we would see these countries, these people through your eyes? Would you stir us, Lord? Would you stir us into action? Forgive us for our complacency, Lord. Forgive us for our inaction. Forgive us for for the times when we should have spoken up, but we chose not to and lord today we commit to speak up next time Lord, today we would we ask you ask you for your forgiveness for the last time where we didn't and for strength for the next time we would yeah ask all of that in your name jesus amen amen scott thank you thanks for who you are <clears throat> thanks for bringing your <laughs> your passion to play here in, in, in this area of freedom of religious belief for the work of CSW excited for the work ahead. Um, I remember being in DC with you a couple of years ago, actually in February, 2020, right before co- the outbreak of COVID, we had no idea what was coming. And I'm just hearing you talk about CSW operating with these, these hubs, um, these regional hubs where, where countries like Nigeria and Mexico and, us and others just just were places of advocacy and connection and that's what we're trying to do is just connect the church share information engage people in prayer awareness advocacy and in so doing as we do that collectively in our countries and corporately as a organization um, we believe that our voice does matter it makes a difference so absolutely thank you for what you're doing darren thank you friend Thanks so much for joining us today. 
We invite you to stand with us on behalf of those facing injustice because of their religion or belief. Go to our website, cswusa.org, to learn how you can make a difference for those suffering for their faith. Your voice matters. Use it.